This podcast is supported by Understood Explains. As parents, we are often having to figure out things as we go, and that is very true for our children's education. And to help you out, I want to tell you about a podcast called Understood Explains. This season is hosted by teacher and special education expert, Juliana Ortube, and she discusses all the things you'd want to know about individual education plans, or IEPs, what they are, why they're needed, who benefits from them, and what to expect when you have meetings with teachers. I could have really used this podcast when my son had an IEP for speech when he was six. I was overwhelmed trying to understand the process and what everything meant. The episode on Understood Explains, Does My Child Need an IEP?, was the kind of info that would have really helped me get the most out of the educational support of the IEP for my son. And if you need that kind of support, I really recommend this podcast. To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's Understood Explains. Welcome to Mom in Mind. I'm perinatal psychologist and host, Dr. Kat. There's more to the story than just postpartum depression. And this podcast aims to share it all from personal stories and lived experience to experts who break down the ups and downs of life from getting pregnant, pregnancy, perinatal loss, and postpartum adjustment to parenthood. While this is not psychotherapy or medical advice, it is all of the stuff you ever wanted to know about mental health and new parenthood. Welcome back to the Mom and Mind podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Kat. In our episode today, we are talking with Dara DeMary. She is sharing her experience through four pregnancies, which all ended in premature births, and all of her children were in NICU stays for varying lengths of time. She experienced anxiety, OCD, rage, and depression, and it took her years to shed the stigma and shame associated with the perinatal mood and anxiety disorders that she experienced, in part because although she grew up in the church, her postpartum struggles left her feeling incredibly isolated, alone, and shamed, in part because the support that she got from the church wasn't quite enough. She goes on to explain more about how that impacted her and also what she is doing now, she has made it her personal mission to gather stories of other Christian women who suffered in silence and use their voices to help encourage women in the church to speak up and speak out about postpartum mood disorders. And her work is culminating in a nonprofit called Postpartum Faith. I'm really grateful that Dara is sharing her experience with us today. So let's meet her. Welcome, Dara. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. I would love to start wherever you're comfortable with your story and what's gone on for you and what's shaped your, your life in this perinatal period. Okay. I got pregnant originally and miscarried my first. That really took a toll on me and it took a little while to get pregnant again. When I did become pregnant again, it was with twins. We completely shocked that yep. it was twins, but we had twins. That whole pregnancy, I was considered high risk. And they told me that I wasn't going to ever meet my actual due date. So I was mentally prepared to not meet the due date. However, I wasn't prepared to actually have premature twins and all the complications that came along with it. They were born 32 weeks. So they were born eight weeks early. And my son was growth restricted. Mm. My daughter was just small. And I had severe preeclampsia. Oh, gosh. Okay. So when I had them, they were admitted into the NICU. I was prepared for that. 
mentally, but emotionally, I had no idea what was going to happen with that. Right. Because they were admitted to the NICU, I kind of was in just survival mode. Right. Yeah, of course. Right. How could you be anything else? That's yeah. It's kind of a shock so, to the system. Yeah. So they were in there. They were in for three weeks and then they got released from the NICU. My son, however, I knew something wasn't right. And he ended up getting admitted to CHOP, which is the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia. Yeah. So now I had one newborn at home and one in downtown Philadelphia hospital. So I had to navigate having a, a newborn at home and getting downtown Is at that the same a, time. A long distance? It's about 45 minutes driving yeah. into the city. Yeah. However, we were able to work something out with like the Ronald McDonald house and we were able nice. to finally get like the twins together. But he was in there for like another three weeks. Okay. So when they came home, I didn't trust anybody to look after them except for myself. I sacrificed sleep, which led to sleep deprivation. There were nights when I would get maybe 45 minutes of sleep. Wow. Total. Total. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Because I was trying to nurse them, but mm -hmm. it wasn't working out. They actually didn't latch until they were four months old. So I was pumping every night. So I would feed one. I would mm -hmm. pump. I would feed another. And by that time, the other was waking up to eat. Right. So that sleep deprivation really, really affected my anxiety. Yeah, for sure. Um, right. And the whole situation already is so anxiety producing from birth and on. Yeah. I mean, one of the reasons he was admitted back into CHOP is because my son actually stopped breathing on us okay. and he turned blue. So we had to rush him to that hospital. So I, when they were home, he was on a monitor to make sure that he was still breathing, but I didn't trust the monitor. I had to physically make sure that he was breathing. So I wasn't sleeping. Yeah. Um, was anybody up with you or did you have people coming to try and relieve you at all? I had um, a friend offer and she came over one night and she helped me. I was still up pumping for the twins, but she took over some of the feedings. Nice. Um, and I had my mom who would do some feedings at nighttime. Mm -hmm. And of course my husband. Okay. But still, even with other people helping, did you still feel like you were super vigilant? I just was constantly, I mean, months went on and I didn't know that this was anxiety. I didn't know that it was any type of like postpartum disorder. I, you know, I filled out the surveys at the end of like my hospital stay. And because I didn't have depression, all my answers were checked off. I wasn't even on the radar. Yeah. That's a huge, huge problem because anxiety is really prevalent. Right. You know, I'm super happy. I have my kids. There was nothing on there that would have put up any red flags for a doctor. However, when I was home, I started to feel like a crazy person. I mean, I would check on my twins. I would watch them in the monitor and I would watch them breathe. And then I would get up and I would check on them and make sure that they were breathing because I didn't trust myself looking into the monitor. So it would be, I would be getting up 20 times in an hour, just making sure that they were still breathing. Right. It was terrifying. Right. The, like the, and the reassurance kind of, it did it last for a minute and then it would sometimes it would last, you know, a few seconds. I would go in the bedroom. I would make sure they were breathing. I would come back in the living room. I would sit down and then I would get that panicked feeling all over again. And I would have to get back up and go check. And then I would feel okay. I would come back. I would sit down. Panic would wash over me. And then the feeling of, of them stop breathing led to more anxiety and 
intrusive thoughts, which I came to found out that's what they were, right. is intrusive right. thoughts. So even, you know, them sitting in their seats in the, in the living room, I had the back door open. If I went to the bathroom, I would picture somebody coming in and stealing them from the, mm. my living room. Yeah, I would picture dropping them and just all these insane images. and Super scary. Yeah, finally, I knew that it, it couldn't be normal because I had never seen any other mom that I knew act the way that I was acting Mm -hmm. or doing the things that I was doing. So it was just this gut feeling. I knew something wasn't right. About how far along after they were born did you realize that? It was probably about six months. Oh, man. That's a long time to suffer like that. It's a really long time. Yeah. With still hardly any sleep the whole time? It got a little bit better. When my husband, when they weren't in the newborn stage anymore and they were sleeping a little bit longer, I was able to get a little bit more sleep. Uh-huh. My husband, however, were, is he works in the hospital. So he would do work a 12 hour shift and then he would come home around eight o'clock at night. I would sleep from like nine to midnight and then wake up and feed the twins. And then he would go to sleep from like 12 to 5 a.m. Mm-hmm. and then get up and do it all over. So, wow. Right. So he wasn't sleeping much either. At that point, anyways, right? No. So then finally, I started to Google and realized that this was like anxiety. Mm. And I found like the description of like postpartum anxiety. And I was like, wow, I think this might be what I have because Mm. it's not normal. And I wasn't like this before having kids. And it's completely took over everything. I was afraid to go anywhere with them. Yeah. So I did end up emailing my doctor through like the patient portal and the twins were about seven months old at this point. And she messaged me back and one of the nurses messaged me back and said, um, basically I was out of their window, the postpartum window for them to be able to help me. This and is if to I the felt OB, like I, your OB. Yes, the yeah. OB. Yeah. If I felt like I was in crisis to go to the ER, otherwise to seek a therapist. And I thought to myself, okay, well, I guess... Like, I don't even know where to start to find a therapist and I don't want to talk to a therapist. I thought she would just give me, you know, some anxiety medicine and it'd be okay. But there was no direction, no website, no resources, just go to the ER or find a therapist. That was her options. Right. This podcast is supported by Starglow Media's Mysteries About True Histories. From the creators of the hit top-ranking kids educational podcast in the world, Who Smarted, the Emmy-nominated Nat Geo Disney Plus's Brain Games and Netflix's Brainchild, comes Mysteries About True Histories, affectionately known as M-A-T-H, or math, in which kids ages six and up can hear humorous and educational stories that follow two best friends, Max and Molly, while they go on adventures through time solving puzzles, hidden equations, talking about history, and making learning cool. Episodes transport listeners to moments in history like Pythagoras's ancient Greece, the era of the Aztecs, Sir Isaac Newton's England, and more. When I drive my son to school in the morning, we listen to these episodes that fit perfectly in our commute, with the episodes being about 15 minutes long. And this podcast is right up my son's alley because he loves to solve problems and happens to love math and the types of punny jokes that Max likes to tell. So tune in to Mysteries About True Histories with your kids. You can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your pods. Hello, you sentient ball of stardust. My name is Casey Davis. I'm a therapist, and I'm an author of the book How to Keep House While Drowning. 
where I talk about ways to make it a little bit easier to take care of yourself when you're overwhelmed, stressed, have mental health issues, physical health issues, or maybe you're just in a hard season of life. Maybe you're looking for a place that you can come and listen to some practical advice. This is a podcast for all of the self-help rejects. We're going to talk about skills for survival and self-kindness. And I'm going to leave the pop psychology at the door. I promise not to tell you to meditate or to journal. We're just going to give you some really insightful conversations with hopefully some practical advice. So I don't believe you need to pick yourself up by the bootstraps. I don't want you to just try harder. And I don't believe that laziness exists. So join me over on Struggle Care, where we can find compassionate solutions that help us function a little bit better. That's tough. I mean, I don't know your situation, but for people who've never met with a therapist, that's like, you don't even know where to start. It's so, so hard when you know that something's not right and you're trying to get help and it feels like there's nothing or there, there's yes. no answers. At some point it starts to feel not desperate. That's not the right word, but you cannot find what you're looking for. And I did get to a point where I was desperate to find mm. something to help me. Mm. There was no way that I could keep living the way that I was living. Mm -hmm. I mean, I couldn't, I was completely like frozen in this anxiety and in the state of like the OCD where I just needed to be free from it. And I didn't know what to do because I contacted my doctor and I was praying and I was trying to do things and I was looking online for help and I couldn't find anything to help me. And then there was one day where I just, in my many searches online, I found a random blog post from a woman who just explained that these psychologists, psychiatrists, they're given these skills and this knowledge to be able to help people. And it's okay for a Christian to seek that out mm -hmm. because it's the same as if you were to have a, a physical condition. You wouldn't hesitate going to the doctor to help your broken foot, help with your stomach pain or headaches. Yeah. So it's the same thing. And when I read that, it kind of clicked. And I was like, okay, okay, I guess it is okay. Because yeah, God has given these people the knowledge and the skill to be able to help me. So I ended up still not reaching out for help. It was my twins were about 13 months at this point. So, and sorry, just for a timeline, from like six or so months that you've mm -hmm. kind of figured something was going on to 13 months, you're still yeah. kind of without the support that you need, but, but searching. Yes. Oh so God. because I had contacted my doctor, it was the end of October. Uh -huh. And then coming up, it was all the holidays. We had Thanksgiving, we had mm -hmm. Christmas, and then my twin's first birthday. In my head, I'm like, okay, well, I've lived this way this long. You know, what's a few more weeks, a few more months? So I waited until after their first birthday. And finally, my husband stepped in and he did a quick Google search. Literally, it took him maybe 30 seconds to find a phone number for me to call. And that was to the postpartum stress center, which is like 40 minutes away from my house. And the woman called me back probably like the next day. And she's like, you have postpartum anxiety. You have postpartum OCD. And with help, you'll get better. And I was like, what? <laughs> like just hearing that from somebody, just uh -huh. the confirmation of everything that I thought it was like, right. okay, like, I can't tell you the relief that poured over my body. Like, yeah. I finally felt like, okay, it'll be okay. Like, wow. I'll get better. Like just somebody hearing you and naming it like this yes, is a, putting a, a name to it. Like, yeah, yeah. So, so powerful, really, really powerful. Right. So I finally got help. And I felt 
it was a long, long process. Mm-hmm. And I'm still going through that process because you'll come to see that my next pregnancy that I had my son and he was born right before the COVID lockdowns. Right. Great. Perfect timing. So <laughs> he was born in November and then come March, everything locked down. So he was about four months old when this all happened. My son was also born premature and he also was in the NICU. Okay. So he had respiratory distress. Um, He had like fluid in his lungs and everything. Yeah. And that's a whole other issue because I knew something was wrong with him and they kept telling me that he was okay. And then hours later they had the NICU team come and look him over and they said, we have to take him to the NICU. And I said, I know, like I knew something was wrong. Right. And you've been telling them. Yeah. Oh man, that is so frustrating. Yes. It was shorter. It was about a week that he Mm -hmm. was in there compared to the twins. So when he came home, it kind of started all over again, except I had these tools that I knew and I had things that I knew to look out for. Yeah. And I knew there was a name to everything. So come the COVID lockdowns, my husband's in healthcare. And we decided that it would be best for him to stay at a hotel because he was with COVID patients. And at this point, we didn't know what COVID was. And my son had respiratory issues from birth. So he was away for about two months in a hotel. Oh my gosh, that's so long. So I'm at home with twins who just turned three the weekend the lockdown started. And I had a four-month-old newborn. And it's us at home. Yeah. I can't go anywhere. I can't see anybody. And this is for two months. So And no other help. Like you didn't have your normal My parents system. came over. Okay. But it's not something. like, yes, it's something. But it's not, yes, I can't go anywhere. We're in the house. You right. know what I mean? Like yeah, we're, yeah. they even, you know, they shut down the, the parks. So even That's just right. going for walks. Right. So I was okay, I thought, for a while. Mm-hmm. But then, like with the OCD and with the anxiety, I kind of knew how to control that. But there was like this overwhelming postpartum rage Mm. that started being locked in the house with two three-year-olds and four-month-old, five-month-old. And I had no idea what that was. Not, Not a clue. But as it started to get worse and worse and worse, and finally, I reached back to my therapist who had helped me the first time around. And she told me that it's not normal. It's a common thing, but it's not normal uh-huh. to have postpartum rage. And what I was, that's what I was experiencing. And yeah. she put a name to it. And so I looked it up online and I was like, wow, this is exactly what I have. So I now had a new postpartum mood disorder that I didn't even know existed. Mm. So at this point I had anxiety, OCD, and now rage. And I didn't know that it existed. Yeah. Not that one's, I mean, it's all intense, but that kind of, I don't know. I find like anxiety and OCD is very physical too. Like, mm-hmm. You feel it in your body, but the rage feeling in your body is really distinct. It's really intense. It was, I have never felt that in my life. Mm-hmm. And when I started to scare myself, that's when I knew that I had to find help. I was scaring my kids and I was scaring myself. And again, I just had this gut feeling this is not normal because I've never seen anybody act like that. So it come out like verbally, like verbally yelling. and physically, like mm-hmm. throwing things, yep. hitting wall. So and that's yep. when I was like, wow, it would come in like a millisecond. Like it would just my whole demeanor, everything would just change in, yep. in an instant. 
That's scary. So, for, like, it's terrifying. And, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. it feels really, like I said, intense, but. Feel completely out of control. Like yeah. just, you can't, what, and then it's like over. And then you're like, wow, like, can't believe that. And that's when the shame completely like washes over you. Yeah. And the fact that I had to admit that to somebody to get help, it was really embarrassing to have to say the things that I was experiencing. Yeah, it is. And it takes quite a bit to get over the, again, that hurdle of that embarrassment and feelings mm -hmm. of shame around it to talk about it, to get help. The way I describe it is like the intrusive thoughts and the anxiety are like emotional torture. And then the rage was just like, it became like physical too. Mm -hmm. So it was, it was just something I had never experienced, right. but I was able to get help for that and work through it. So that was another side of the postpartum mood disorders that I didn't know existed. Right. And then my husband and I ended up having a fourth child. Mm -hmm. So when my son, my twins had just turned five, my son was like two, I believe when he was born. And then we had another one. And then he also was born premature. Mm. He was born the same exact the same exact gestational age as our second, my second birth. So he was also admitted to the NICU. And this was like, when you have kids in the NICU, there's like this mourning process that I feel like you have to go through of everything that you thought the birth was going to be like. Yeah. And then the moments afterwards, you never get those moments back. Right. And it's not at all what you thought it would be. I never got to hold my twins until they were like days old. Those moments are just taken from you. Yeah. And it's like something that you have to mourn. And our fourth is our last. And I prayed so hard that I would have a healthy baby and I would be able to hold him. And it just didn't happen. And so I had to come to terms with the fact that I would never birth a healthy baby. All my kids ended up in the NICU. And it was really, really hard to process because I was so, I just had this like joy and this feeling that everything was going to be okay, at least this fourth time. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't. And that's another thing that another side of the postpartum came to hit me. Yeah. And this time it was depression. After he was released from the NICU, about a week, maybe he was a day less than second son. But we brought him home and I mean, everything's fine and they're okay now. But it's just those moments that you have that you never get back. Just a process that you have to go through. So I had no idea that I would get hit again postpartum. And this yeah. time it wasn't anxiety. It wasn't the OCD, although I do still struggle with those. It wasn't so much the rage. It was depression. I was so, so sad, like a sadness that I had never felt before, yeah. constantly crying and just hopeless. And I just couldn't believe that it was happening again. <laughs> right. Yeah, absolutely. And each time just such a different set of feelings. Wow. So we're here now. My son is a year old. I feel like I'm almost to that tunnel at this point. I know that I'm going to be able to get through it. And then this chapter of my life is going to be over as far as like the postpartum period with all these kids. And that's why I don't want anybody else to experience the things that I had to experience. Right. So because I went through so many different things, I have resources and things like that that I can offer to people. And I want to be able to do that now. So this is, first of all, it's years of emotional upheaval at this point. I mean, certainly there are times where it got a little better and not, but it's a long time to be in this whirlwind of... And it's because I have been, for like over six years, I've either been pregnant or nursing mm -hmm. a child mm -hmm. also. So 
the hormones are just, they've never leveled out. Yeah. So that's why I'm still in it right now. I know that I will be okay. That is like so important. Just knowing that since, you know, you got the help and you initially after the twins, you got help and you knew a little bit more about what to do the second time. And I don't know what happened after the first time in terms of the third birth in terms of therapy and whatnot. But once you know that you can get better, you might not know how or how long, but when you know that that is available to you, it at least gives you something to hold on to. And hearing the words like, this is temporary, those are so comforting to know that I won't always feel the way that I have felt. Yeah, it is really powerful. I'm Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. Margaret, I would say you're sort of a where are my keys kind of mom. Correct. Sometimes a where are my kids kind of mom. (laughs) Well, you're Amy more of a we were supposed to leave 35 seconds ago, mom. I mean, touche. In each episode of What Fresh Hell, we come at a topic from our usually completely opposite perspectives. I bring the research. And I bring kind of the gimlet eye. Like, is that research really going to work, people? And almost 10 million downloads later, we're still laughing. We also talk to experts in the parenting field, plus parents with stories we can all learn from. We make each other laugh, we challenge each other's assumptions, and we have what we think is the best parenting community on the internet. Check out What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood wherever you listen to podcasts. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us. So I'm curious if we can go kind of back through a little bit. Sure. I mean, I know initially you kind of were trying to figure out and turning to the church and and trying to understand from that perspective, like what help was available to you or if you could even get help. I guess throughout your whole process, what have sort of search taken you? So I have personally, this is just me and I can only speak from my own experience. I never felt the support from the church that I wish that I would have felt. I even have emailed not only like my church, but I've emailed like other churches and things like that just to see what resources they have for women that are postpartum and that are struggling. And everything is that I have received back is that they would pray for me and that they would suggest speaking to your doctor. Now, my own experience, I spoke to my doctor and my doctor wasn't helpful. So I don't know how many other women have felt the same way. So after you speak to your doctor and you have somebody praying for you, where do you go? Mm-hmm. What do you do? Not and that's enough. where, right. And that's where I felt this 
that I was just hung out to dry, basically. There was no tangible resource. So my personal goal is to start a nonprofit to avoid any other women to have to deal with that. Mm -hmm. So I want to have the links to our postpartum support international postpartum stress center. I want women to know that these resources are available and that if you're a Christian, you can reach out to a non-faith-based organization for help because there's women who are trained specifically to help mothers, to help new mothers, to help postpartum mothers deal with these issues. It's nothing to do with lack of faith and Mm -hmm. it's nothing to do with the fact that you haven't prayed enough and that you're not reading enough scripture. I mean, I have reached out and I've asked hundreds of women because of social media and I've gotten so many responses with the same where women have not felt that they were able to turn to the church for help. And Mm -hmm. if they have turned to the church, they were told to pray or they were not given the support that they needed. Now, I'm not advocating that pastors or pastor's wives or anybody like that treat women who are postpartum. It's a mental health disorder and they're not trained to do that. However, they can point women in the right direction Mm -hmm. and they can offer tangible resources to women who are struggling instead of just saying that they're going to pray for them. Yes, offer to pray for them, but also give them a website or a phone number or maybe sit with them. And while they make that phone call, you can be there as support for them. You know, women's ministries can actually help new moms and maybe set up support or a meal train or something like that, or reach out to new moms and ask the mom, how are you feeling? You know what I mean? Like that wasn't there. I never got asked how I was emotionally, but I don't blame anybody because nobody really knows how to ask that. And I also am really good at hiding the fact that I was struggling. I acted completely fine. I got up and I got dressed every day. I put on makeup. I was the best mom that I could be, you know, but inside I felt like I was like dying. I mean, I have so many questions about that. For one, I think, think a lot of people try and do that because it's hard with it, whatever, like shame and I don't know, embarrassment or whatever it is that you're feeling. You don't really want people to know that you're Mm -hmm. struggling, but at the same time you need help. And it's really hard to hold both of those at the same time to be yeah. struggling so deeply and also just trying to keep it looking like it's you're all together. And that mm-hmm. is like its own stress. Yeah, it is. It's yeah. really, really hard to do. Yeah. And um, I just want other women to know like there is help available, but they need to know what kind of help to get and where to get it. So that's kind of my goal is to try and help women get those resources that they need. Um, what did you hear from, you know, the other people that you reached out to? Were you hearing the same thing? So I had a couple people who really kind of backed the church leader's position, just saying, speak to your doctor. Mm-hmm. And I understand that. And I, again, I'm not advocating for pastors to counsel women who are dealing with these postpartum issues. Right. And I understand that nobody's going to know all the resources available But if you have a mom who's struggling with these mental health issues and all you tell her is that you're going to pray for her and you give her a couple scripture verses to read and it kind of makes you feel like you don't have enough faith to get yourself out of this. Right. Like almost like you're you're not good enough or you're not doing good enough. That's how I felt is that I couldn't get myself out of 
feel the way that I was feeling. And I was getting felt like I was getting deeper and deeper into it. And I was struggling more and more. And I was praying more and more. But I didn't know that I wasn't dealing with it the right way. It's just another added layer of complexity that like you're already feeling how you're feeling, which is awful, feeling terrible, Mm -hmm. worst you've ever felt, you know, in many ways, I assume. And then on top of that, to not feel like you're doing good enough by your faith is like another layer of, I assume, a feeling of shame. Yeah, it's not something that I wanted to talk about. Yeah, I didn't want to talk about it. That's why I tried to find, you know, read verses, scripture verses about depression and anxiety. And I know that I need to rely on God for things. I know that. I know that he can heal somebody. And it just wasn't happening for me. I needed a doctor to help me. And I needed to know that it was okay to reach out for help. Now, when I look online, I do see more resources available than there were six years ago. And I myself have been gathering resources that I can give to people. And I'm trying to make a website and have these resources available. I'm trying to set up a nonprofit called Postpartum Faith. So that way, women of faith can know that it's okay to get the help that they need for these postpartum issues. And they can know where to get the help that they need. There's a book that I recently read. It's called A Mom is Born. I wish so badly that I had that book when I was going through this, when I first gave birth to my twins. It's these type of resources that I want to make sure are widely known for women of faith and that they can get their hands on them and that they can know where to go to get the help that they need. And it has to start somewhere. And I felt like I went through this for a reason and I wish that I didn't, but I did. And now I'm almost to the other side and I see... Everything that I went through was for a reason. It made me who I am now. And I'm now just starting to become vocal and share my story. It took me six years to be able to do that, to get over the shame and to be able to to speak out and let people know. And I want God to be able to use my story to help other women. So I'm putting myself out there and I'm sharing my story and I want to be a resource to help other women. That's really, really powerful. And you've had to go through a lot and endure a lot to get to this point. And I may hear that you're continuing on your journey just to feel the best that you can feel. But I just am constantly amazed by just like the, the stories like yours with such intense suffering and how it is like turned into purpose and to help. I mean, help I've had women people. tell me that they were told to sniff essential oils, to relax, to read scripture, to just pray more. Like, but the most absurd was just smell essential oils Mm -hmm. to relax. That was, I mean, that's not a cure. (laughs) Not a cure. It's not. And the fact that like these women in the church, these are things that they're told. Right. And sure, like if that's something that helps you relax or whatever, like you need to have all kinds of tools in your toolbox. But it's if just in general, if you're told that uh, something like that or one or two things is just supposed to help you feel better when you're dealing with a real, like you said before, like just like you would go to a doctor if you like broke your leg, you would go to a doctor if you feel like 
mentally, emotionally broken by depression or anxiety? It's really hard, I think, for a Christian who is going through the postpartum period and who's struggling to reach out for the help that they actually need other than just praying. I think mm-hmm. that it's, it's really hard because growing up in the church, that's what we were told is that God, you know, God's a God of miracles and he can help you and he can heal you and stay close to God. And I am, and I did, but I still needed help, still needed that help. And the fact that I came across a random blog post and this woman just laid it out that you can still get help. It's okay for you to get help. That was what I needed to hear. And thank God I found it because I don't think that I would have if I didn't come across that. Yeah. And by you doing what you're doing now with postpartumfaith.org and really trying to put that resource out there, hopefully, like you're saying, somebody can find your resource and know that help is available and they don't have to, to suffer in the ways that you did. Yeah, I'm really trying to put this together. It's just me doing it. Mm-hmm. And I'm a mama four. Mm-hmm. So the website is very slow. I got the domain. <laughs> and then, you know, I'm trying to get, I'm waiting for the application for the nonprofit to go through. So it's a slow process, but I feel like it's something that God has put on my heart to do. Mm. And I've gone through this for a reason and I'm going to use it to help other people. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story and your path through healing. I know it's going to help so many people. I appreciate you having me on. Absolutely. Please connect with Dara at postpartumfaith.org. And certainly if you know of anybody who is within a religious community who doesn't feel particularly supported to get help for their mental health conditions related to perinatal mood or anxiety disorders, this might be a really useful episode to share with them. Like Dara said, she just needed to see that it was okay to reach out for help. And that was one of the catalysts that helped her to get the healing that she needed. Please do find Mom and Mind Podcasts on Instagram and threads and follow and share these posts and these episodes. It really is the best way that you can support the work that I'm doing here and all of the beautiful stories that people have shared with us on this podcast. Thank you for being with us. Until next time. Please find the Mom and Mind Podcast on momandmind.com or wellmindperinatal.com where you can also find access to my free online mini course that is specifically designed for people experiencing anxiety in the postpartum period. Or you can learn more about the three and a half hour self-paced course that I created just for managing postpartum stress. You can also connect with us on social media at mom and mind on Instagram and Facebook. Thank you for tuning in and learning more about perinatal mental health. Hello, you sentient ball of stardust. My name is Casey Davis. I'm a therapist and I'm an author of the book, How to Keep House While Drowning, where I talk about ways to make it a little bit easier to take care of yourself when you're overwhelmed, stressed, have mental health issues, physical health issues, or maybe you're just in a hard season of life. Maybe you're looking for a place that you can come and listen to some practical advice. This is a podcast for all of the self-help rejects. We're gonna talk about skills for survival and self-kindness. And I'm going to leave the pop psychology at the door. I promise not to tell you to meditate or to journal. We're just going to give you some really insightful conversations with hopefully some practical advice. So I don't believe you need to pick yourself up by the bootstraps. I don't want you to just try harder. And I don't believe that laziness exists. 
So join me over on Struggle Care, where we can find compassionate solutions that help us function a little bit better.